we are in the battle for the soul of this nation. Oh, welcome to the battle, Joe. What do you know? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. You know what I ain't? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine terrestrial stations. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, we got a lot to get to. Uh, a whole lot of a whole lot of mess to get to today. Much of it having to do with the 2020 election in various ways. Let me start here, though, with a uh, a 2019 election. I noted yesterday a special election for Tennessee's state senate on Tuesday, where there was a 13 point swing towards the Democrat in a very red district in Tennessee. And now the Democrat did not end up winning that race, but it was a big swing towards the Democrat in a state where Republicans currently have super majorities in both chambers of the state general uh, uh, general assembly. So even though the Democrat lost, Democrats could see that as good news in Tennessee as they had into 2020. Uh, But I missed this one in South Carolina. Of all places, Nathaniel Rakich, Rakich, I don't know how you say his name, over at 538.com notes that with all precincts reported in South Carolina's House District 14 on Tuesday, Stuart Jones, the Republican, defeated Garrett McDaniel, the Democrat, 56 to 44. That's a 12-point trounce there by the Republican. However, even though the Democrat lost there as well, it was another very red district which saw, uh, as Rakish describes, a 25-point Democrat overperformance. 
In other words, a 25-point swing towards the Democrat over what would otherwise be expected in that district in South Carolina. At least if the computer tallied results are accurate, we will never know for sure since the counties that make up HD 14 in South Carolina, Greenwood and Lawrence County, and actually the entire state of South Carolina for that matter, force voters to vote on 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. So if anyone wants to question any of those reported results from Tuesday or any others in South Carolina... Nope, sorry. Too bad. Yep. Yep. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. So in any event, if you trust the reported numbers, the mood of the nation is still, at least in these so-called red states, it is still swinging towards Democrats in a big way following both the election of one uh, Donald Trump in 2016 and, of course, the blue tsunami election that we saw Uh, in the 2018 midterms. Keeping that in mind, here's some election 2020 election news. Simone Sanders, who rose to prominence as Senator Bernie Sanders's national press secretary back during his 2016 presidential campaign, she has now signed on to work for former Vice President Joe Biden's 2020 campaign. She will serve as a senior advisor. She had been an un- she had been uncommitted so far through this cycle. She's a CNN political commentator and has worked with Priorities USA, the largest Democratic Party super PAC. But she is a major hire, according to the Daily Beast. She was a major hire for uh, Sanders back in 2016 as he faced criticism over the lack of diversity on his staff. Simone Sanders is an African-American woman. But in the summer of 2016, she quit that campaign at the time, saying she did so of her own volition. But she is a prominent progressive voice and a regular presence on cable news. And now she gives Biden a valuable addition to his team. The Daily Beast notes she has not always been simpatico with the former vice president recently. She chastised Biden for cracking jokes in response to the unwanted touching allegations that were leveled against him by several women with whom he'd interacted during his career. Prior to then, Sanders, Simone Sanders, I guess we have to be clear, had also characterized the conventional wisdom around Biden being the front runner in the Democratic primary as being, quote, overhyped. In the same report, however, She also acknowledged that he could be formidable. Well, I guess we are about to find out. Former Vice President Joe Biden officially announced his 2020 bid on Thursday morning via a campaign video, which opens by quoting the Declaration of Independence, backed by a stirring score and framed by a soft and fuzzy background in which he takes direct aim, unlike most of the other 19 or so declared Democratic candidates to date, takes direct aim at Donald Trump. Charlottesville, Virginia, is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. 
Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there on August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging and burying the fangs of racism, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans and a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those of the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. I wrote at the time that we're in the battle for the soul of this nation. Well, that's even more true today. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. But if we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. The core values of this nation are standing in the world, our very democracy. Everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Folks, America is an idea. An idea that's stronger than any army, bigger than any ocean, more powerful than any dictator or tyrant. It gives hope to the most desperate people on earth. It guarantees that everyone is treated with dignity and gives hate no safe harbor. It instills in every person in this country the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can achieve if you work at it. That's what we believe. And above all else, that's what's at stake in this election. We can't forget what happened in Charlottesville. Even more important, we have to remember who we are. This is America. There you go. Joe Biden becomes the uh, 20th candidate on the Democratic side to officially announce he is entering the race. As uh, TPM's Kate Riga observes, Biden has already staked out a different tactic than most of his now competitors on the Democratic side. Many of them have been avoiding getting into the trenches with Donald Trump, opting to allude to him or his policies or his behaviors rather than wrangle with him head on. I would say by uh, the looks of that video, Joe Biden is taking a very different tactic. He uh, cites the president by name again and again as proof as of why he is the candidate that America needs to save itself from Donald Trump. Polls have shown that most Democrats care more about nominating a candidate that can beat Trump than any specific values or policy ideas. 
with, uh, at least as of now, with his uh, blue-collar appeal, she writes, and chance to snatch back Obama-Trump crossover voters. In other words, people who supported Obama and then moved to Trump. And I guess she's suggesting that uh, Biden will somehow be able to win them back. Uh, With that strategy, well, Biden will likely play that card frequently during his unfurling campaign, she says. For his part, the former president is not taking sides, at least not yet. Former President Barack Obama gave a nod to his vice president's campaign announcement on Thursday morning, but stopped short of a full endorsement. His uh, spokesperson, Katie Hill, said that President Obama has long said that selecting Joe Biden as his running mate in uh, in 2008 was one of the best decisions he ever made. He relied on the vice president's knowledge, insight and judgment throughout both campaigns and the entire presidency. The two forged a special bond over the last 10 years and remain close today says Obama's spokesperson, uh, Kate Bedingfield, who was Biden's deputy, who is Biden's deputy campaign manager, said on MSNBC that the former vice president had asked Obama not to endorse him. She says Uh, she says that uh, he wants to make his own case. He is running on an incredibly strong message of wanting to restore the soul of the nation, wanting to rebuild the middle class. Obama has met with a whole bunch of 2020 contenders, but he has uh, tried to avoid the appearance of lending his preference to any specific candidate so far in the race. Well, that makes sense to me. I'm glad that Obama is staying out of the direct endorsement part of it so far. So far. Donald uh, Trump, however, is not. (laughs) Uh, You'll be shocked to know. He issued a tweet in response saying, Welcome to the race, Sleepy Joe. (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's what he thinks his, that's what his snappy nickname's yeah. going to be yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's going to stick. No? no. Uh, he, he's, he doesn't seem very sleepy, Joe no, Biden. No, no, I know. You could come up with a whole bunch of other stuff that seems like it would hurt a lot more, but uh, he's going with Sleepy Joe, I guess. Uh, he added, I only hope you have the intelligence long in doubt. So he's calling him stupid, I mm-hmm. guess. Why didn't he call him stupid Joe? He's projecting again. Yes, he is. Uh, long. I hope you have the intelligence long in doubt to wage a successful primary campaign. It will be nasty. You will be dealing with people who truly have some very sick and demented ideas. Trump's own voters? Uh, no, no. He's <laughs> apparently he's referring to the other Democrats <laughs> in the race. Yeah, I know. That's, uh, that's what I thought, too. Anyway, uh, it feels right now that this race and it's early and it's in one sense kind of dumb to even talk about because nobody's even close to voting. We haven't gotten even to any uh, real debates yet. Those are coming up. Actually, pretty soon, though, next month, June, I think, are the first debates. Yep. But it does kind of feel like this is going to come down to a a case of whether the voters wish to restore the nation to what it was before the damage inflicted by Donald Trump sort of get back to normal or whether we wish to move beyond that and beyond what it was under O'Biden. Oh, I'm sorry, (laughs) Obama and Joe Biden. uh, That seems to be the big question right now for voters. Do we want to sort of erase Donald Trump from history and just go back to where we started or lurch ahead? Uh, Right now, uh, Joe Biden seems to be the one saying, you know what, we need to 
wash this dark period out of our nation's history and get back to normal. And by the way, if there was a candidate who could demonstrate the ability to do both of those things somehow, I think he or she may be in the best position to win. I'm not sure who that is. It it will be no easy feat as those two things don't necessarily complement one another. So uh, I think the nation has a tough choice ahead, and I hope we are mature enough, frankly, to make that choice without further tearing ourselves up in the process, which frankly would only benefit Donald Trump and the forces of darkness in this country that Biden was alluding to there. But we will see. Uh, Speaking of those forces of darkness, I must say that when it comes to bizarre, almost impossible to explain things, uh, but that you can't really look away from on Twitter. Right after Donald Trump, coming a very close second, and frankly, uh, often the first for me, are the tweets of George Conway, the longtime Republican activist, lawyer, and of most note here, the husband of the senior Trump advisor and top apologist, Kellyanne Conway. George Conway is really good at Twitter and in a way that must drive both his wife, Kellyanne, and his seemingly mortal enemy, Donald Trump, absolutely insane. Not necessarily a long drive for either of them, but it must drive them crazy. So, of course, it's impossible not to watch uh, really whether you want to or not what George Conway is saying. Uh, So here's what uh, he did yesterday Uh, in The Washington Post on Wednesday evening. Hillary Clinton, you have heard of her. She published an op ed headlined Mueller documented a serious crime against all Americans. Here's how to proceed. Now, she uh, notes in her pretty reasonable editorial, actually, that, uh, quote, obviously this is personal for me and some may say I'm not the right messenger. Well, true before uh, she then goes on to explain how, in fact, she has quite a bit of experience to draw from in these matters and how to respond to them. She uh, was obviously first lady during our last impeachment proceeding in 1998 for Bill Clinton. She was also a young staffer, which a lot of people I don't think know, uh, on the uh, Nixon impeachment committee in Congress back in the 1970s. So she's been there for the last two impeachments. She was also a U.S. senator from New York on 9-11, which she raises in this op-ed in the context of the need for a bipartisan uh, blue ribbon sort of panel needed to figure out how to avoid what she describes as foreign attacks on our democracy in future elections. She was also, of course, secretary of state as relations fell apart with Russia. And, of course, she was the candidate for president when all of our latest nightmare took place. I should note the candidate for president who won the popular vote. Hillary Clinton. Yes. Right. Uh, but, so you know, she has a unique perspective on all she of does. This. She does. Although, if you go through all of those points, uh, you know, did you ever notice that whenever terrible things happen in our country, Hillary Clinton tends to be right there? <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, I digress. Probably unfairly there. But anyway, uh, so in her op-ed, she offers a, a recommendation for how to move forward to fill in gaps that were left in the Mueller report 
in a bipartisan way that may help Congress and the nation determine if impeachment is or is not the right course for this country, for this president, and how to work together to safeguard our elections against similar things happening in the future. In all, it's a pretty reasonable, pretty moderate, nonpartisan recommendation, which avoids cheap shots and, uh, you know, I told you so attacks that uh, she might otherwise be, frankly, entitled to at this point, uh, especially since the revelations in the uh, in the Mueller report. So anyway, back to George Conway. He took to Twitter. He linked to that op ed including a quote from it, quote, obviously this is personal for me and some may say I'm not the right messenger. Before then, he added, again, he is the husband of the inveterate White House deputy liar-in-chief Kellyanne Conway. And he added uh, in his tweet, if she's with the Constitution, I'm with her. Citing, uh, of course, Clinton's 2016 campaign slogan, which must drive his wife crazy. That's actually pretty good, though. I know. Uh, his uh, his trolling of, of Trump and, I guess, his, his own wife here, he's trolling as well. I know, but it's a good troll, and it's actually a useful troll. Yeah. If she's with the Constitution, I'm with her. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's continuously hilarious uh, in these otherwise dark times on what has... Uh, uh, and, and a nice counterpoint to what has become a very ugly uh, Twitter these days. So you might want to follow him on Twitter if you're not already. He is GF Conway 3D. He's well worth the follow. And it's also worth noting here, by the way, that George Conway was on the uh, was on. Well, he was one of the right wing attorneys in during the impeachment of Bill Clinton. He was behind. Really? Yeah. Oh, he worked on that. I yeah. did not know that. Oh, yeah. He's uh, for real here. He is not some, you know, Hillary bot or Obama bot, for what it's worth. He was a real enemy of Bill Clinton. But now he's with her. And he's also now behind a new nickname for Donald Trump. Speaking of ugly nicknames, this actually began trending today on Twitter. Uh, he linked to this story yesterday from Washington Post from uh, John Wagner. A day after accepting an invitation from Queen Elizabeth II for a state visit to Britain, President Trump on Wednesday promoted a baseless accusation that the U.K. had helped the Obama administration spy on his 2016 presidential campaign. Taking to Twitter, Trump cited a report attributed to the uh, right-wing One America News Network that cited an accusation of British spying made by a former CIA analyst. Trump wrote, uh, along with that uh, link, he wrote, quote, Wow, it is now just a question of time before the truth comes out, and when it does, it will be a beauty. The uh, spying claim was roundly denied by both the U.S. and British intelligence officials. Our allies, remember? When it first surfaced two years ago. So this is not new, but all of a sudden Trump's acting as if, wow, look at that. Great Britain was spying on me, too. And he does this after he accepts the invitation to go for a visit. The day after. Yeah. Classy. To, from the Queen. Anyway, so they did not, U.S. And, and, and the Brits denied it, but of course they would deny it, right? British intelligence. Uh, at the time, Fox News commentator Andrew Napolitano raised the prospect of 
uh, of British spying on air. This was a couple of years ago. He later acknowledged the same former CIA guy as his source. The then White House press secretary, Sean Spicer, at the time, angered the British government by mentioning that claim during a news briefing. A spokesman for Prime Minister Theresa May said at the time that her government had made clear to U.S. authorities that the claims were ridiculous and should have been ignored. In a new statement Wednesday in response to this uh, latest renewal of these claims, Britain's main intelligence agency, government communications headquarters, again dismissed the claim. But again, of course they would. (laughs) During his planned visit to uh, Britain in early June, Trump is scheduled to meet with May as well as the Queen unless this one gets called off like the last one did. Anyway, linking to that article, George Conway began a series of tweets in which he referred over and over and over again to Trump as deranged Donald He said, deranged Donald is back at it again. Deranged Donald. This is one single tweet here. Deranged Donald can do things like this. And it's not even the top of the news because it gets lost beneath all of the other deranged things deranged Donald does. Hashtag deranged Donald. (laughs) That wasn't his only one. He went on. Deranged Donald has this neat job where he's supposed to receive and read books with more accurate, highly valuable, top-secret information, but he doesn't like those books unless they have lots of pictures and tell him how great he is. Hashtag Deranged Donald. And finally, he says, plus, Deranged Donald doesn't really need all of those books because Fox News. Hashtag Deranged Donald. Again, that's the husband of Kellyanne Conway. Must be fun there at night, huh? When she gets home from work. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a whole dissertation for some sociologist somewhere about that. Uh, really bizarre. In their but it is taking hold. Apparently, hashtag deranged Donald was trending earlier today on Twitter. Uh, anyway, this is the politics uh, in the U.S. right now. Ain't we the greatest nation ever on God's green earth? But when it comes to actual issues of national security and foreign nations intruding on American elections in advance of the next presidential election in 2020, Donald Trump does not seem to be all that interested or concerned about it for some reason. Let's take a quick break and we will come back with that and some just breaking good news, at least for democracy fans out of the great state of Michigan. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? 
Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, I could use I could use a spring break. I am running <laughs> running low here. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Some uh, some good news here today. A three judge federal panel ruled on Thursday that Michigan's congressional and legislative maps are unconstitutionally gerrymandered. And they ordered the state legislature to redraw at least 34 districts for the 2020 election. Wow. That's big news. Uh, the Michigan. Decision, yeah. The decision also... A pivotal swing state in 2016. Well, it could be. It certainly was. Yeah. The decision also requires special state Senate elections to be held in 2020 instead of 2022 oh. as scheduled. These guys were not kidding around. This three-judge panel. Of course, the gerrymandering in Michigan is uh, it was so bad. For example, in 2016, Democrats won more than half of the votes for the state House, but Republicans won most of the seats. The uh, judges said that 34 of the 162 congressional and legislative districts drawn by Republicans in 2011 violate Democratic voters' constitutional rights, including by diluting the weight of their votes. They gave the GOP legislature until August 1 to submit new maps, which would need the signature of the now Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, though an appeal is likely. So I want to underscore the fact that these districts were drawn in 2011. And if this uh, decision by this federal panel ends up uh, holding up, this is how many elections have we had uh, since 2011? We're talking about almost an entire decade before we finally got this decision. So partisan gerrymandering, it works. It works. You can challenge it, but apparently it will take 10 years before you get anywhere. And that is if you actually get anywhere, this could be blocked as it has been in uh, a number of other states, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Maryland has been blocked by the Supreme Court, at least for now. I'll get to that in a second. But the federal panel here said that um, those involved in the 2011 redistricting effort elevated, quote, partisan considerations, unquote, at every step. The judges wrote their primary goal was to draw maps that advantaged Republicans, disadvantaged Democrats, and ensured that Republicans could enjoy durable majorities in Michigan's congressional delegation and in both chambers of the Michigan legislature for the entire decade. The map was drawn by the state GOP legislature. Of course, it was challenged by Democratic voters and the League of Women Voters of Michigan in this case. The ruling on Thursday comes as the Supreme Court is weighing two other partisan gerrymandering cases from North Carolina, a case of uh, uh, Republican, uh, Republican gerrymandering where uh, federal court has pretty much thrown out the entire uh, map for uh, the uh, congressional districts there and um, a case in Maryland where 
Democrats gerrymandered one congressional district. The Supreme Court heard that those cases earlier this year, but they have not yet decided on uh, on those cases. The court in Michigan today said this court joins the growing chorus of federal courts that have in recent years held that partisan gerrymandering is unconstitutional. The case featured evidence, including emails between GOP staffers who were in charge of drawing those maps back after the 2010 census, notable for how explicitly partisan uh, their intent was spelled out in these emails. In one email, for example, a staffer bragged that a map was, quote, a glorious way that makes it easier to cram all of the Dem garbage in Wayne, Washtenaw, Oakland, and Macomb counties into only four districts. Put all the Dem garbage into one district, and then it's just Republicans everywhere else. Another staffer in these emails cheered that a map that the Michigan Republicans were drawing was, quote, perfect because it, quote, gives the finger to Sandy Levin, Uh, That's a reference to a uh, Democratic U.S. House member in the state. So, yes, this was clearly partisan. Now, what the Democrat, what the Republicans have been arguing is that that's fine. It wasn't racial gerrymandering, which has been found to be unconstitutional, but partisan gerrymandering, which is perfectly fine. The Supreme Court has never said we couldn't do that. It's not against the law yet. The lead up to the trial earlier this year was particularly messy after a, a, the Democrat Gretchen Whitmer was elected as governor and a Democrat as well was elected as secretary of state. That was uh, just last November. Uh, and that Michigan secretary of state actually tried to settle this case, tried to agree with the uh, challengers here. The Republican defendants, however, convinced the court to block her from doing so. But they also lost their own request that the trial be delayed until after the Supreme Court comes down with its own uh, decision in the partisan gerrymandering case that it's considering from North Carolina and Maryland. Now, you'll remember Mark Joseph Stern, our friend, uh, legal reporter from Slate, a number of weeks ago after uh, he was actually at the Supreme Court when those cases were heard, he joined us to report at the time, uh, based on the questioning at the court, that he was actually stunned. We were all sort of assuming that the Republicans on the stolen Supreme Court, the Republican majority there, was going to give the thumbs up for partisan gerrymandering after uh, Anthony Kennedy last year had a perfect opportunity to be the swing vote and put an end to this practice once and for all, but he instead punted on it, and then he retired. He resigned, and he was replaced by Brett Kavanaugh. So Mark Joseph Stern, so we all thought this was a done deal and that we were just going to be stuck with this crap, but Stern uh, said that he was stunned. He thought it was quite possible that, of all people, Brett Kavanaugh might join with the court's liberals to find partisan gerrymandering unconstitutional after all in these uh, in these cases in North Carolina and in Maryland. Right. 
in, but in part, no, no, there's there's well, no the but, but here. What's the but, the but that I recall yeah. is that the Maryland case specifically refers to a district in which Kavanaugh himself lives. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, he's going to be interested in that one, and I and I believe Mark also held out the idea that you know there's probably a way that Kavanaugh would be able to slither his way into finding in favor of the one that affects him personally in Maryland. In Maryland, that that was and, brought around by Democrats, but not the one in North Carolina that that's more be. egregious and affects the entire state of North that Carolina. could be that could be we will see yeah, we're about that's what I remember. Uh, a month or so away I guess from that decision coming down from the Supreme Court in June so uh, anyway in the meantime while that is undeniably at least for the moment good news for democracy lovers in the state of Michigan Definitely. at least for now maybe we'll get some good news from the Supreme Court in a month or so I, you know, I kind of join you. I'm skeptical. We'll see. I hope Mark's right. But in the meantime, before even all of this, uh, last November, Michigan voters already approved a ballot initiative last November to end partisan gerrymandering, partisan redistricting in the state of Michigan uh, with a constitutional amendment that establishes an independent citizens redistricting commission rather than leaving it to the whims of the legislature. So uh, either way, uh, good news, hopefully ahead for the state of Michigan, but maybe even better news than we thought coming earlier than we thought. Yes, that's definitely good news, uh, especially the requirement to hold those special state legislature elections early. early. That's that's useful for the folks who actually have to live in Michigan. So that would be in 2020 if they uh, hold those uh, elections early, along with think there are some other elections going on in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but they are, uh, you know, many of the concerns we talk about on this program are not shared by the White House, apparently. Donald Trump is not concerned at all about the security of our 2020 elections, according to a report in The New York Times that is kind of amazing. Uh, It starts this way. In the months before now former Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, was forced to resign. She tried to focus the White House on one of her highest priorities as Homeland Security Secretary, preparing for new and different Russian forms of interference in the 2020 election. President Trump's chief of staff, Actually, acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney told her to not bring that matter up in front of the president. Nielsen left DHS earlier this month after a tumultuous 16 month tenure and tensions with the White House. Officials said she had become increasingly concerned about Russia's continued activity in the U.S. during and after the 2018 midterms ranging from its search for new techniques to divide Americans using social media to experiments by hackers to rerouting rerouting Internet traffic and infiltrating power grids. But in a meeting this year, Mulvaney, the White House chief of staff, made it clear that Trump still equated any public discussion of malign Russian election activity with questions about the legitimacy of his victory. 
So he just doesn't want to hear about it, doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to take any action on it in any way, certainly doesn't want to do what Hillary Clinton recommended in that op-ed in the Washington Post yesterday, have a blue-ribbon commission, a bipartisan panel to figure out how best to move forward. According to one senior administration official, Mulvaney said, quote, It wasn't a great subject and should be kept below his level. Manage the toddler's emotions, it sounds like. Even though the Department of Homeland Security has primary responsibility for civilian cyber defense, Nielsen eventually gave up on her effort to organize a White House meeting of cabinet secretaries to uh, coordinate a strategy to protect next year's elections. Of course, as we have pointed out time and time and time and time again on this program, DHS actually also never bothered to find out if the last presidential election may have been manipulated. I don't know if they were ordered to not look or not, but as we have played uh, many times on the show, that clip from Jeanette Manfra, DHS's top cybersecurity official overseeing critical infrastructure like election systems, uh, she admitted in June of 2017 during Senate testimony that, in fact, DHS never did any sort of forensic analysis of the voting systems, the tabulators, the servers from the 2016 election in order to determine if any votes were changed. We don't know. We never will know. Uh, in Michigan, since we were talking about Michigan, where one of the three states where Jill Stein, the Green Party presidential candidate, had sought a recount, the uh, recount was shut down in Michigan. They weren't allowed to uh, find out what happened during a uh, during a recount. And the uh, DHS never bothered to go back and look. Now, we discussed earlier in the week that the uh, Mueller report also concedes that they also never analyzed any of those systems for intrusion or manipulation, despite finding, uh, at least according to their report, that Russians had implanted malware on the computers of elections officials and employees of private voting system vendors and that they gained access to several state, the Russians, to uh, several state voter registration databases, specifically in Illinois and Arizona. So the report says the Mueller report says that uh, they didn't look at it, but that the DHS was looking into it. But of course, as we know, they did not by their own admission. So nobody looked at that. But that was uh, 2016, water under the bridge. Why worry? Donald Trump became president. Sure, just two votes in each precinct in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania recorded for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump, and we would have had a different outcome. But, you know, that's, that's looking back. Let's look forward, as Barack Obama used to like to say. Back to Nielsen's uh, ignored concerns about the next presidential race, the 2020 race. Because Trump didn't want to talk about it, according to The Times, for whatever reason, uh, the issue did not gain the urgency or widespread attention that a president can command. And it meant that many Americans remain unaware of the latest version of Russian interference. I would add here they also remain unaware of the ease with which anybody can interfere with U.S. elections from any country, including our own 
with uh, the likelihood of ever being discovered doing so virtually nil. And uh, it's being made even less likely uh, to uh, discover something like that as jurisdictions are moving to even less verifiable voting systems, less overseeable systems, such as ballot marking devices or BMDs, as they're called, which print computer-marked paper ballots, paper ballot summaries, I should say, instead of allowing voters to use verifiable hand-marked paper ballots. And the reason why those are bad, just, just to remind everybody, is that once the election is over, you cannot guarantee that what is on that piece of paper, that ballot summary, is actually what the voter chose. You, you can't, can only not guess. Not only you can't guarantee, yeah, you can never know. You can never yeah. know if you're actually counting uh, the intent of the voters with systems like that. Anyway, they're coming to a uh, jurisdiction near you and me, including here in Los Angeles, touchscreen, unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. The Times notes that this account of Nielsen's frustration was described to the Times by three senior, senior Trump administration officials and one former senior administration official. Oh, hello, Kirsten Nielsen all of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity. After the article was published on Wednesday, Mulvaney said through a spokesman that the administration would not tolerate foreign interference in American elections and was working to prevent it, including by increasing coordination and intelligence sharing among state, local, and federal governments. Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, concurred, saying, quote, election security is and will continue to be one of our nation's highest national security priorities. Really, Mr. Coates? Then why aren't they uh, why isn't the administration recommending that election officials listen to cybersecurity and voting systems experts and disallow those 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices that the state of Georgia is now moving to, that the uh, city of Philadelphia is now moving to in the key swing state of Pennsylvania? And as I said, even here in L.A. County that we are all moving uh, to now, all before the 2020 election. Where is the administration? Where is the White House saying, no, that is not the direction you should be going in? Back to the paper. While American intelligence agencies have warned of the dangers of new influence campaigns penetrating the 2020 election, Trump and those closest to him have maintained that the effects of Russia's interference in 2016 was overblown. Uh, speaking at this Time 100 summit in New York this week, Jared Kushner didn't even didn't even notice what Mueller had uh, written and uh, said about malware and the intrusions into these computers, the voter registration computers and so forth. He just sort of dismissed it as a few ads on Facebook. He said, uh, I think the investigations and all of the speculation that's happened for the last two years has had a much harsher impact on our democracy than a couple of Facebook ads. So got that? The special counsel investigation by Robert Mueller and the various probes in Congress have had a worse impact on American democracy than what Trump's top advisor and son-in-law believes uh, that uh, Russia had on our election with, uh, what did he say, a few Facebook ads. His son-in-law who sought a secret back channel to talk with Russia. Why are you giving that context? <laughs> Why are you helping people understand what is going on here? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, it's an amazing article. We will, uh, we will link to it. Uh, basically just underscores... 
that this administration uh, does not give a damn. And uh, the one person who at least says she gave a damn, Kirsten Nielsen, uh, has now been pushed out entirely. And so, uh, you know, and by the way, just to make this clear, I am not attacking in this case Republicans. I am attacking everybody, Republicans and Democrats alike. Again, here in democratically controlled Los Angeles County, the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation. We are moving to 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems before the 2020 election. Democrats in Philadelphia are planning to do the same unless that is stopped. Republicans in the state of Georgia are planning to do the same unless that is stopped. The entire state of Delaware is planning to do the same. It's already being done in uh, certain counties in Ohio and Kansas and elsewhere. So um, all I can do is raise the alarm. Uh, even the apparently the director of Homeland Security uh, who tried to raise the alarm wasn't getting listened to either in the White House, not under this president. We'll keep raising the alarm, and we hope you will help us do so in your own state and town. We need you. We can't keep doing this fight alone. All right, quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. What? (laughs) Two days in a row? Yes, indeed. That is next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. By the way, in that story I was uh, talking about in the last segment from the New York Times headlined in push for 2020 election security, top official was warned, don't tell Trump. Uh, The last paragraph is this, uh, quote, Russian intelligence's 2016 covert actions to divide Americans by interfering in our election were so successful, said Kevin Carroll, a former CIA officer discussing the social messaging uh, propaganda and so forth that was put out uh, Mm -hmm. by the Internet, what do they call it, Internet Research Agency in Russia. Uh, It was so successful that, uh, quote, Putin will amplify them again in 2020, he said. It just caught my eye and I'm like, well, maybe, but you know what? We seem to be doing a good enough job of amplifying uh, that divide for ourselves in this country. We are good enough at it on the right and on the (laughs) left. Now, we don't really need any help. No, it is just another example of a foreigner coming in and taking away American jobs. (laughs) Anyway... Let's get to it. Our latest green news report. Once it's made landfall, it's going to be dumping torrential rain over the same areas of northern Mozambique day after day after day. Mozambique, already facing a humanitarian crisis, braces for its second powerful cyclone in one month. Loss of Arctic permafrost could cost the global economy trillions. More than a thousand arrested as massive climate protests end in London. Plus, we're going to make L.A. the green jobs capital of America. 
Los Angeles moves ahead with its own Green New Deal to combat climate change. All of those Green New Deals and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Basically what the proposal wants to do is send airplanes into the stratosphere, spraying it with aerosols like you're adding extra clouds to block more of that sunlight. So your solution to save the planet is to spray more sh- into the atmosphere. What's the point of saving Earth if the whole thing looks like New Jersey? Gratuitous New Jersey slam. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, uh, this looks very, very bad in Mozambique, uh, coming on the heels of this last cyclone. That is correct. In Africa, Mozambique, one of the poorest nations in the world, is still reeling from powerful cyclone E-Day that killed, as officials say, nearly a thousand people back in March. They're now bracing for a second major hurricane, forecast to make landfall as a Category 4. Cyclone Kenneth is forecast to stall, dumping as much as three feet of rain, One meteorologist compared it to Houston getting hit with a Category 3 hurricane just weeks after Hurricane Harvey. Three feet of rain. Potentially. Wow. In Quebec, Canada, nearly 3,000 homes are flooded due to a quick warm-up in temperatures and heavy rains that caused rapid snowmelt. The province's premier is now proposing buyouts for homeowners in flood-prone areas after repeated flooding disasters. The nation of Vietnam this week set a new all-time high national temperature record, 110 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's only April. Most places in Vietnam don't see their hottest temperatures until July. In Greenland, a new study out this week warns that melting of the Greenland ice sheet has accelerated over the last 30 years, and it's now melting six times faster than it was in the 1980s. That's, of course, due to man-made global warming of the atmosphere and the oceans. The researchers said the results hold troubling implications for the rate of sea level rise, especially when combined with potential ice loss from Antarctica. It's almost as if everything you have warned about on the Green News Report over the last 10 years has been exactly true. And it's not just me, it's pretty much every scientist in the world. Well, don't tell the Trump administration or any of the Republicans. A different new study conducted by a mix of scientists and economists projects that melting permafrost in the Arctic alone could ultimately cost the global economy $70 trillion in losses. Seven zero trillion. Correct. That's because thawing Arctic permafrost releases greenhouse gases, which in turn triggers more warming, which in turn releases more gases, potentially tripping the system into a feedback loop that intensifies over time with cascading global consequences from rising seas to extreme weather disasters. The study warns policymakers that the cost of cutting emissions is far less than the cost of the impacts of man-made global warming. Why don't you ever do nice stories about, you know... Uh, lawn care and uh, planting flowers in the garden. In London, the group Extinction Rebellion on Wednesday said they were voluntarily ending their massive nine-day-long direct action protest and civil disobedience that brought parts of the city to a standstill and saw more than a thousand people arrested. The group's leaders claimed success, saying in a statement, quote, around the planet, a long-awaited and much-needed conversation has begun. And not a moment too soon. They certainly captured British law 
lawmakers' attention. Good. Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg was in London to participate in the protests, and she was invited to speak to members of parliament. In a quiet but blistering speech, Thunberg pushed adults to wake up and faulted them for failing to take swift action. Now we probably don't even have a future anymore, because that future was sold so that a small number of people could make unimaginable amounts of money. Finally, Los Angeles is moving to create its own Green New Deal. L.A.'s Democratic mayor, Eric Garcetti, outlined an ambitious set of proposals to prepare the nation's second largest city for climate change impact, transition away from fossil fuels, retrofit buildings, and clean up pollution, all with an eye to social justice. Our Green New Deal supports everyone. That means putting those most impacted by this crisis at the front of the line for solar power, new trees, and cool pavement. There is no question this is the fight of our lives, and we're ready for it. You know, just the past week alone in New York City and Los Angeles, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal is already seeing effects around this nation. Change happens slowly until it happens quickly. For much more on all of these stories, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Well, that uh, report puts the global in global warming, as you yes. in a lot of international stories. Uh, this cyclone in um, Mozambique, the second one in weeks, looks like it's going to be very bad. Oh, it is already bad. Uh, it, it is now official that it is the, now the strongest storm to make landfall in recorded history in mm. Mozambique and the entire African continent. It is even stronger than Cyclone Ide was at landfall. And, uh, you know, there are places that are taking donations for assistance. You know, Eric Holthouse, the meteorologist on Twitter, noted that, hey, if we can raise a billion dollars for Notre mm. Dame Cathedral, maybe we can help out the folks of Mozambique. There's an idea. So uh, International Federal Federation of the Red Cross, UNICEF are all taking, uh, and other reputable charities are all taking funds to assist these people yeah, in their recovery. I, I don't recall uh, after almost a thousand people died in the uh, cyclone, cyclone just day, just weeks ago. Yes. I don't even recall the president of the United States saying a word about it, much less offering uh, funding to help this uh, growing humanitarian crisis there, which is about to get a hell of a lot worse. But, you know, it's one of those s-hole countries, I guess. We don't care about them. Am I right, Mr. President? Got to get out. Uh, thank you to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free going back years and years at bradblog.com or at your favorite podcast site. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. And as ever... My thanks to those of you who help us do what we do here every day on uh, the Bradcast and bradblog.com by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to support our work. We rely on only you in this grand experiment. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.